0: I would fantasize about suicide most of the time. A lot of my time was taken up thinking about ways that I could end my life because I really just wanted to end the suffering. But I was in a deep depression and I didn't really have very much support. I liked this girl and I felt, I guess I had a crush on her. And it was absolutely terrifying to me to come to terms with that.
1: You read coffee cups. Now, this is a big thing for you, reading coffee cups. You're going to read my cup. Here we go. Let's do this. All right. Take Um, your time. You don't need to rush. Just tell me what you see. Okay, so... Hi, I'm Mike Gabriel. This is Mike's Up Pod, a podcast where we talk a wide range of topics from business, health, lifestyle, but most importantly, the topics of life, growing, learning, Self-awareness and leading. This is where we get the best of the best who tell their experiences. On this episode of Miked Up Hot, I bring in Lara Vanian Green. Lara grew up with parents who she felt shouldn't have been together. Lara's mom, in her words, was a rock star. She was a famous Armenian poet, Alicia Giragosian. So all of it came with challenging times, as you just recently heard. She also created a podcast of her own called Armenian Enough, where she shines light on life and identity on the Armenian diaspora. And yes, she even reads coffee cups. And yes, she even read mine. Enjoy. Tell us a little bit about your podcast. We want to know what the premise is of Armenian Enough podcast.
0: Okay, well, first of all, thanks for having me on your show. This is really, really cool to get to talk to you. I know that you've been doing this for a lot longer than I have. But for the last couple of years, I've had my podcast called Armenian Enough. And it is devoted to life and identity in the Armenian diaspora. We have about 3 million Armenians who live in Armenia proper. And I think the at the last count, at least that I'm aware of about 8 million Armenians who live in the diaspora. And a lot of us either don't speak the language, have various connections with our roots. And in a lot of ways, many of us don't feel like we fit in or we're Armenian enough. I don't know if that's even possible, but a lot of LGBTQ members of the Armenian community, a lot of Armenians who have married outside the race kind of end up drifting away from the community. And I wanted this to be a platform perhaps for future generations of up-and-coming Armenians but certainly for young Armenians today to feel like they don't have to fit in this neat little box. They are perfect just as they are and they are welcome with open arms into the community. So on our show we talk about a lot of things that might be considered taboo in the Armenian culture and these are the types of conversations that I really love having and they're important to have for our growth as as a people.
1: I thought you meant more of if they had to own a Mercedes-Benz or a BMW to be army enough.
0: (laughs) I believe that's required.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I want to talk about your childhood a little bit, if we can. I think your childhood maybe had something to do with this, for you creating this podcast. You went through a difficult childhood a little bit, right? It was a little bit challenging. Can you tell us about it?
0: I grew up as an only child, and I had two really amazing parents who probably I I love you mom and dad but who probably should never have been together Um, very very different so I grew up in a household where my parents were not happy and they ended up eventually divorcing and you know when they announced their divorce to me I think I was around 13 years old they came to me and had this very serious discussion and maybe thought that I was gonna have this total meltdown but I was relieved I thought, finally, the fighting is going to be over. Little did I know that was just the beginning. They ended up fighting in court for six years. So my entire adolescence, my parents were battling it out. War of the Roses style, which is an 80s movie for <laughs> for your listeners. who you might be a little younger. But they really, really, it was brutal. And I, I suffered a lot during that period of time.
1: What kind of suffering did you go through?
0: Well, there was a lot of being pushed and pulled from different sides so i would be a go-between trying to mediate settlements between and you were my, the only child right the only child so it all my mom would say the future of our family mm. rests on you so i would try to negotiate things that are completely inappropriate for a child to do by the way but it was a very emotionally tumultuous very unstable, unsteady time. And it was depressing because my family was falling apart. And rather than experience the peace that I thought would come with the lack of fighting, it went from a battle to a war and they were out to destroy one another. And, you know, children are oftentimes the consequence or the, the collateral damage of a war like that. And I was certainly no exception.
1: Your mother was a famous poet, right? Alicia... Giragosian? Yes, you said
0: that right. Um, Alicia Giragosian. She was definitely famous in Armenia, but that didn't really do much for her life here. Here she was a businesswoman, but when we would go to Armenia on trips that were paid for by the Armenian government... She was a rock star and people would crowd her on the street, clamoring for her autograph. It was so unreal. Uh, it didn't make any sense to me as a 13-year-old kid. I'm like, she's just my mom. Yeah. But they, they revered their poets and their artists in communist Armenia, Soviet Armenia.
1: How was that when you saw your mom as a rock star and then you saw her at home was she a different person
0: no my mom was a diva anywhere she went the Mm -hmm. difference was that in armenia she would see why she could actually kind of live up to that but when when she was in the united states she's my mom always sort of carried herself like a queen Mm -hmm. (laughs) but Mm. but it didn't seem to make as much sense here as it did in armenia
1: I want to talk more about this challenging aspect of your life. We don't have to talk about it if you don't want me to, but I know you went through a deep down depression in life, right? Around 13, 14, 15-ish?
0: Yeah, my my adolescence was pretty dark. I would fantasize about suicide most of the time. A lot of my time was was uh, taken up thinking about ways that I could end my life because I really just wanted to end the suffering. But I was in a deep depression and I didn't really have very much support. And it wasn't until I started engaging in some very obvious self-harm behaviors like cutting myself with razor blades and things like that that I got people's attention enough to figure we need that we need to get this girl some help and so i ended up being taken to counseling and group therapy and and all that kind of thing which was very beneficial
1: and along the way you're getting straight a's in elementary middle school and high school i was always a
0: super high achiever and it really part of that is really coming from an armenian family because if i were to bring home an a on a test my parents would immediately say why not an a plus Mm. So it was, I knew the level that I was expected to achieve at, and I really tried to to do that for them. Mm-hmm.
1: Did you ever reach out to people when you were going through that heartache with your parents' divorce? Aunts, uncles, friends?
0: So uh, the short answer is probably not. I had a ninth grade teacher who seemed for, for a brief period of time to take some interest in me and realize that I was going through something because also my appearance changed. So I went from dressing in, you know, blue jeans and pastels, as was the the trend for what are we, 1988 or something like that. And I went to wearing all black, hanging out with the punks and goths, and my physical appearance changed pretty rapidly. And that also, I think, on some level was really a cry for help. Like, look at me, I am not okay. I feel very, very sad and angry and nobody's really taking notice.
1: Now you got sad and angry to the source of your parents' divorce?
0: That was a huge part of it. And both of my parents were so insanely wrapped up in this and and uh, in, in seeking out revenge that I was really, in many real ways, I was neglected. So when I was 14, and going to like, there was a teen club in Glendale that I used to go to, it was held in the basement of this church, I would go and I wouldn't have a curfew. So I could come home at four in the morning. And you know what, when I came home at four in the morning, I wanted my mom to say, where the heck have you been? But nobody said anything. So I really thought nobody's looking out for me. Nobody cares. How far can I push this?
1: Surprising when you came home with an A, she wanted an A plus, but she was okay with you staying out late.
0: Yeah, it doesn't really make sense, but that was absolutely it. She was so wrapped up in herself that she couldn't really focus on me. Mm. There wasn't enough energy to go around.
1: Your mom passed away in 2014? Yes. Your father's still alive today? Yes. How's that relationship?
0: In some ways, it is permanently injured from things that we went through during that divorce period but in other ways it's really healed a lot and thrived and he's an amazing grandfather to my daughter so he's very much a part of my life today and and we're in a good place
1: how much of your husband today had to do with you picking him with your experience with your parents relationship
0: well i did a lot of work on myself because uh, one of the things that was very, very clear to me, even as a child, and certainly as a teenager, was that I didn't want to have this type of relationship. I was actually scared of being married, because I thought, what if I haven't seen a healthy relationship? What if this is what I end up repeating? So I did a ton of work on myself. I went to counseling, I read self-help books, I probably still do to this day. And I picked a husband whose parents have been married for 50 plus years, very happily, who knows how to be in a relationship, who is extremely loving, stable, and supportive. So I think my husband is actually a testament to the fact that I healed a lot of that pain.
1: You studied abroad, right? You went to UK? Yes, I did. Now, you've experienced with women in your life, correct?
0: Yeah. So that actually goes back to the first time that I went to group therapy when I was 14 15 I want to say 15 and in this group therapy session there was a young girl with a really troubled life and I found that I more than cared for her I found myself kind of attracted to her which is something that really scared me again going way back to 1988 middle of like the AIDS crisis not exactly a a great time for the LGBTQ scene. None of that really matters. We're talking about personal story. I liked this girl and I felt I guess I had a crush on her and it was absolutely terrifying to me to come to terms with that because I had only ever had crushes on boys. I had my first boyfriend when I was 5. We were in kindergarten. We would hold hands and give little, you know, peck kisses and I never thought of myself as someone who was attracted to women, but when I experienced it, I thought, "Oh no, this is it. My life is over."
1: Because mostly because you had to break the news to your parents.
0: Well, I was or... just thinking, I'm never going to get married. I'm never going to have children. Oh my god! I don't know. It was just a total how old pimp. were you then? I was 15.
1: When was the time where you you would say that you were bisexual?
0: I mean, I probably recognized it right then. Mm-hmm. Um, Because I still was attracted to guys, but I realized that there was another attraction there. So right then, but I didn't do anything with that knowledge. I really kept it to myself until I was about 17 and I was in high school. And my best friend, who really, honestly, everyone could tell was gay, but he wasn't out. He came out to me in the middle of history class. I could tell it was a really difficult thing for him. He was Armenian as well. And I wanted to be really supportive. And I was trying to see how I could relate. And I said, you know what? I ended up coming out to him as being bisexual. I said, I was attracted to a woman a few years ago. And I think maybe, maybe I'm attracted to both. So we just formed an instant brother-sister bond. And then we went out to explore what Mm -hmm. this new life meant.
1: The woman you were attracted to at 15... was she, was she attracted to you at the time or she was? I have no idea. Okay, she was strictly with, she strictly liked men. You would I think.
0: honestly have no idea okay. because that never happened. We were in a, we were in group therapy and did not have any kind of friendship outside of that.
1: Got it. So 15 years old into women or attracted to women. What's next now? Are you actively dating women at that time?
0: So I was not at all. But when I did come out to my friend, I decided that it was time that I should come out to my mom too, and so I told my mother that I was bisexual, and she said to me that, I believe she said to me that she thought it was a phase, but she was pretty accepting of it. I grew up with my mom having gay best friends that were really a part of our family. So she grew up in Argentina And she just had a ton of gay best friends. And and her one closest friend was a gay man who actually became a Catholic priest.
1: Wow. (laughs)
0: In Argentina. He still is a Catholic priest to this day. But I knew that I was safe to come out to her.
1: I was going to say, did that help the cause? Because you knew that she had best friends who were gay. It was maybe easier for you to come out because of that?
0: Yeah, I didn't think it was going to be a big deal, but I was still, I had a little bit of trepidation because things can change when it's your child saying these things to you.
1: What about your father?
0: My father found out later. I did not get to come out to him personally. My mom told him. And it was a few years later when I was already in my first serious relationship with a woman who was really like the first love of my life and then my father was told and i don't think he was very happy about it and he said to me i I think this is my fault. And uh, I said, yes, it is. But um, I did say that, I think, because I, I was trying to hurt him, to be honest. But yeah. it, that's not true. It's not true that it was his fault or that it's anybody's fault. It's just the way that I am.
1: Why did he think it was his fault?
0: I think he thought because of the divorce or something that he had caused something to... And
1: triggered you to like the other For me, sex.
0: as if sexuality comes from being mad at men, you know?
1: Right. <laughs> Right. You were dating women and men at that time, the same time?
0: I was, yeah. I actually, if I think back to 17, 18, 19, I was. And then at 19 years old was when I did the travel abroad to the UK and I fell in love for the first time. Mm. With a woman? With a woman. Yeah. How old? How old was she? You. Oh, I was 19. She? She was 29.
1: Okay. So you like them older?
0: Well, it just happened like that. She was gorgeous.
1: And she was obviously attracted to women as well.
0: Yeah, she was a lesbian.
1: How long were you there for?
0: I think I was there for five or six months. Not six, maybe four or five months.
1: And then you had a long distance relationship with her?
0: Right. We had a long distance relationship for many years after that.
1: Your marriage today seems amazing. You've been married for 10 years. Yes. You've got a seven-year-old daughter. Yes. I met them today. They seem like very nice people. Your daughter, I think, is way advanced. her age you're doing a great job parenting your husband knows about your sexuality
0: my husband knows everything about me
1: are you allowed to date outside or no is it an open relationship
0: no it's it's absolutely a monogamous relationship but you know what i really appreciate you asking me that question because it helps to dispel a common misperception about people who are bisexual or pansexual which is really what i consider myself And I'll just define that briefly, Um, pansexual is someone who is attracted to people regardless of their gender expression. A lot of people think that bisexuals are greedy or have to be in a relationship with a man and a woman at the same time to be completely satisfied. And you know, there might be individuals like that. Certainly there's a lot of variety, but in general, that is not what it means. So we are absolutely monogamous. Yeah.
1: And I can tell, <laughs> by the way. Are you still attracted to women today? Like if you see a woman on the street, are you like, man, I'd like to be with her?
0: There are times that you know, you can't help it. You're human. I'm sure my husband sees women that he's attracted to too. Um, but of course, if, if I find out about that, he is obligated to tell me that I am more beautiful because <laughs> that's just how it goes. Yeah. But sure, I'll sometimes see a woman and i'll think oh i miss that i miss being with a woman is like expressing a different side of myself and it's a different dynamic in a female relationship that of course i'm human i occasionally miss it yes i'm, st- I'm still alive i still have working parts and i still am attracted to my type of woman
1: who would be that that woman Kourtney Kardashian,
0: not even close. <laughs> uh, more like Rachel Maddow. Okay. Um, I like masculine to androgynous expressions of uh, female beauty. Let's Got put it. it that way.
1: You read coffee cups. Hey, it's Mike. Hope you're enjoying the episode with Lara. If so, please share it with your friends. Subscribe, rate, and comment. If not, keep listening. Now, this is a big thing for you. Reading coffee cups. You put it on your Instagram. Yeah, Armenian enough, inst- and at Armenian enough. Right? Yes. And I told you when we initially spoke that you should read the cup. Don't say who it is, but read the cup in the caption and explain what the cup is saying and and, and expressing. I think that would be cool. Just so people, you know, you kind of get a different following of people. You know, they read the cup and then you can say it and then maybe they can relate to it. You're going to read my cup. Mm-hmm. Now I can edit this show so if it's a really <laughs> bad cup I can take it out but hopefully it's not but the the reading the cup thing is that an intuition you feel like you're it's something you're born with cuz I know it's this you're now the third generation right
0: Yes I was my Grandmother, my mother, and then the reading the cup thing was passed down to me. And now it just takes on a whole different nostalgic feel since my mom isn't here. Uh, My mom and I used to read coffee cups for each other every day after school when I would come back from high school. We would put on some coffee and it was, it's a bonding thing. And I even taught my best friend in high school how to, she's not Armenian, but she can read a coffee cup. Let me tell you, she's fantastic. Just, it's a bonding thing for women and I guess mostly women. shouldn't be completely but that's how it is traditionally the women sit and read coffee cups and the men gather and do something else yeah
1: question on that if i drank two coffee cups in a row would the reading be consistent
0: it should be consistent and i'll give you a perfect example my mom and i were in chicago i don't know over a decade ago and we both read this gentleman's coffee cup separately and even though we saw different designs, the interpretation of it ended up being exactly the same. And I, I remember that cup because one thing that both of us saw very clearly in the cup was a baby. So we both told him, someone's pregnant. And as far as we knew, he was single. And he just kept getting, you know, like little beads of sweat started to appear on his forehead. And finally, he sort of broke down and said, I've been seeing this married woman and she's pregnant with my baby. Oh, shit. And we're like, yeah, it's right here.
1: (laughs) Dude, congrats.
0: (laughs) So we both saw different things, different images. It's kind of like looking up at the clouds. Somebody's going to see a bunny. Somebody's going to see a train. But we interpreted what we saw in the same way. So that's the part where the intuition comes in.
1: Wow. Are you able to read mine now?
0: I mean, I can.
1: Yeah. When you've read coffee cups in the past, has it ever happened where they've come back to you and said... Laura, you just read my cup two weeks ago. Exactly that happened to me.
0: Yeah, it has happened. And the funny thing is they'll say, do you remember what you said? And I think no, because five minutes after I read it, I totally forget what I've said. Oh, really? Most of the time, I just don't retain that information. So I'm like, really? I said that?
1: Oh, wow. That means you're legit.
0: Well, (laughs) I wouldn't go that far. All right.
1: Here we go. Let's do this. All right. Take your time. You don't need to rush. Just tell me what you see.
0: Okay. So certain things are just by tradition. So traditionally, the very bottom of the cup, the base of the cup represents your heart. And as you can see, there's a ton of coffee in it. Mm. What I see here is that you have some concerns and some things that you're worrying about, but you're trying not to worry about them. You're trying to push them aside. And I can see an active effort to push things aside. Maybe it has to do with matters of the heart and maybe it doesn't, but it's come out in your heart. There's also, this is sort of unusual. There's um, huh. There's like a little balloon and a kid with his arms wide open. So I feel like there's a little part of, um, we were talking pre-show about this wall that you feel that you've built up in certain past relation or as a result of certain past relationships. And I really see a significant chink in the armor. So I see a place where light is starting to shine through. And the fact that you have moments where you feel that is it is what I see as like the kid who's opening his arms wide. Like you want to feel that.
1: That's not somebody being pregnant, right?
0: That is not somebody being pregnant. It's a little <laughs> it's a little you being born. Okay, good. Hmm. But I do see the first main figure that I see, and I don't know how good you are at seeing these things, but it is a very like feminine female form. And, okay, symbolically, don't get scared. Symbolically, she's standing at the altar waiting for you. Jesus Christ. No, no, no. That's why I said don't get scared. This person is, she's holding a flower in her hand and standing. And... I don't feel like there's pressure in that sense for you. Like, she's not saying marry me. But she's she's waiting for you to be ready. She's wa- she's waiting at the altar. Not in a bad way, in a symbolic way, in her heart. Like, she feels like she's wife material. She's holding the flower and just waiting. She's not rushing anyone. Mm-hmm. She's just there. And I do see next to her, Oh, I see a... a not a unicorn. Um, what do you call it? A seahorse, which is my symbol for like true love. Again, okay. don't go... Like, I'm not saying like, oh, she's the one. But she has that potential. She has that, that spirit about her. Not a bad choice of a person. Okay, let's move on from her. Oh, this is someone who has uh, definitely been betrayed in their past. I see in her past... There's a, a heart, uh, two people, two heads in a heart shape, and somebody's got a knife. And to me, that knife is a betrayal. So that's in her past. That's her, that's her baggage, if you will. Um, let's leave her alone for a minute. And the next thing that opens up is a bright, beautiful V shape that is full of opportunities, full of light. Um, it's funny, I see a little cat like a little fluffy cat and to me uh that's indicative of someone who's like um in armenian we would say but in, in english it means like someone who's incredibly careful and deliberate in the steps that take like a like a scaredy cat mm. but it's it's actually very cute and cuddly
1: this is me so
0: i think it's an element of you being very cautious about taking like one little step well even though everything around you is fine but you're like one little proper, proper one steps. little inch forward one little inch forward as long as
1: we're not going backwards right
0: and then i see a shoe with the letter m on it i know that's so obvious but a shoe to me is travel hmm. so normally if it were international travel i would see something outside the cup it would pour over so this has to be domestic travel i don't know if you're gonna go on a big camping trip I don't see other people, but I feel like there's other people with you. And the only reason I say camping is because I see some some sort of like roasting marshmallows kind of... Are you a camper? Not at all. Okay, great. Yeah. This reading is going swimmingly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That's hilarious. <laughs>
1: but you never yeah. know. I mean...
0: What is this? Oh, so I see an Aladdin's lamp, which to me is like wishes, goals ultimate fulfillment and yours has like two humps like a little two hump camel so i feel like you have two goals that you are pushing at the same time that you are striving to achieve and things to accomplish and uh, i see some action i don't see the genie yet but i see a little little smoke you're getting a little bit of traction on the stuff that you're trying to do scratching the surface yeah do you want me to stop here no really No 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 this you're is just... amazing keep
1: <laughs> please
0: okay Uh Uh-oh. No, no. Hmm. I see a lot of people and a lot of action. And since you have told me that you come from a big family, I'm guessing that that that's what I'm seeing. A lot of folks, a lot of... It looks like this um, controlled chaos, a lot of busyness, but kind of nobody's really getting in anyone else's way. And then I see a, a giant gateway opening up and it's full of light but to me this gateway represents truly a change of life and man i don't i don't want to interpret it for you like it's your life is going to really undergo a change for the better it's going to be really positive you're going to take a step that changes things Hmm. there are two sort of animals sitting there and watching i don't know it's like one peacock and one giraffe uh, I don't know if those are your parents or like I'm not really Man, sure but I see <laughs> <laughs> but it's really beautiful it's
1: as long as they're around seeing me that's I'm okay with that
0: they're around mm-hmm. seeing you and at the very corner and maybe I'll end with this we'll see at the very corner I see a little dragon and a dragon for me is representative of having overcome a spiritual obstacle like it's very like fairy tale like you slay the dragon you've overcome this block this obstacle whatever it is but it's it's all internal it's very mystical the dragon to see a happy dragon there for me represents that you have overcome some personal demons or personal obstacles and you're ready to forge a new path
1: nice Yeah. anything else like how long can you read these for well can you it go on depends for a while?
0: i can go on for a while with people that i know and then i can sort of read deeper and deeper into it but it is really challenging to read people that you don't know because it's it's hard to have a frame of reference for what things represent
1: hmm. all right that makes sense listen i take it all good. with
0: a grain of salt if it fits it fits if it doesn't you know so
1: that's relatively a good cup
0: yeah absolutely yeah
1: maybe one of the best you've ever seen
0: oh sure one of the best i have ever seen what did you think was going to be in there death destruction well
1: how many of those cups have you read where it's negative and you're hesitant
0: to talk about it the worst one the worst one was when i the last coffee cup that i read for my mom who was terminally ill And she was begging me to read her cup, and I just wouldn't do it, wouldn't do it, wouldn't do it. And finally, it was Mother's Day. And I said, Okay, as a present to you, I'm gonna read your cup. And she got really excited. And you have to understand my mom had pancreatic cancer. She was um, at the end stage of it, but she believed with all of her heart that she was gonna beat it. And nobody said anything different. We were all supportive of whatever she needed. But I read her cup, and she said, Tell me, do you see me dancing? Am I gonna be better? And I, without thinking, told her the truth of what I saw. And I I was crying when I was reading the cup. And I said, Mom, you're going to be so happy. I see you like an angel spreading your wings. And I said, but you're not going to make it. Mm. Like, I really saw the coffin. And I saw, like, her spirit rising. And then as soon as I said it, I thought, what have you done? Mm. Why are you saying this to this woman? And... I apologized. I was like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And she said, no, it's OK. I mm. I needed to hear it. And then that was, two weeks later, she was gone.
1: Wow. Do you believe in reading your own cup? Like, has your mom ever read her own cup?
0: It's really difficult to read your own cup because you know what you want to hear. OK. I, I do it sometimes, but I it's very difficult.
1: What does your husband think about it?
0: It's funny he he doesn't believe it at all. But then every once in a while, when he asks me to make him Armenian coffee, he's like, "Are you gonna read my cup?" But
1: <laughs> <laughs> Your husband's Caucasian, yes. So, what does he think about the traditions and the the heritage and the history of Armenia and Armenian being or being Armenian?
0: He thinks it's really cool. But at the same time, I have to sort of provide a disclaimer and like, I'm not that Armenian when it comes to traditions. I'm pretty Americanized. But we took a trip to Armenia in 2008. And he was so adorable. He bought this travel book and he read it. And so he was kind of my tour guide for Armenia. He was like, this is the statue of Mother Armenia. She was built in blah, blah, blah. And I just melted my heart.
1: That's so cool. That's when you know you've got it, right? You've got the guy.
0: Yeah, and he's trying to learn some Armenian. He speaks about 20 words, but he will milk them for all they're worth. I love it. (laughs) Um,
1: That's awesome. Thank you so much for first off. I'm in your house, so I'm sure that wasn't an easy thing to do to have a stranger come in. You probably watch me on Monday nights sometimes on Anna Report, so hopefully that gave you a little introduction (laughs) of myself.
0: Well, actually, I have most of my podcast guests come to my home, so it was a pleasure to have you and to have you on my show and then to be on yours. Yeah,
1: that's going to come out soon, sometime in February, I believe, right? I'm going to be on your show, Armenian Enough? Correct. Yeah, sometime around Valentine's Day.
0: Yes, I think February 6th. I have to check the schedule. A
1: lot of questions about dating and the dating advice and the scenes and all that stuff. It's funny. Now, all of a sudden, I'm an expert on dating because I'm on this... uh, I'm on the ad report.
0: I'm telling you, Armenian guys do not talk about this stuff. So uh, if you're willing to talk about it, you are the resident expert. Okay.
1: All right, done. Thank you so much. And good luck to you and the podcast, your family. Appreciate it very much. Thanks, Mike. You know what I've noticed? I've noticed the insecurities we have now being told and are open about them. I'm into that. I love the fact we're able to put this platform together for story for a story like this. Uh, I can't thank Lara enough for opening herself up to us. I guarantee there's some people going to the similar battles she faced when she was a kid growing up. I just feel when you have an insecurity, talk about them. It'll help the cause. She got self-help because she knew she needed it. She's in a much better place today. She's married for 10 years with a beautiful little daughter. Uh, and by the way, guess what? I'm going to be on her podcast, Armin Enough, and it should be coming out in the next few weeks. So follow my social media to stay up to date for that interview. I was pretty open myself on hers. Ooh. Maybe you shouldn't. <laughs> my uh, Instagram is pod, and everything else is pod. Also, I, like I mentioned on episode zero, I've got some solo episodes coming. Stay locked and loaded for that. That's going to be fun. Talk about life stuff, uh, products that I use, maybe some Netflix reviews, uh, some goods that have changed my life. And, uh, and then uh, this Kobe thing. It's still hard for me to get over it, but you know, it's amazing the folks who didn't like him for whatever reason are sobbing like the ones who loved him. Everybody is in the same feeling all over the world. Like we lost a family member or a close friend. It just doesn't seem real. It's amazing how he's inspired me more now that he's passed than he was alive. That's the impact he's made. That's incredible. Thank you for making me a part of your day, folks. Until next time, no wasted days. Let's
0: go.